Oh. Okay. Should I go ahead and um? Oh, wait, well, we got to do the. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop, a Magic the Gathering podcast, doing everything from discussions to deck text to set dissections, and today we're having ourselves a good old fashioned demonstrate the loop uh, this one is actually uh, drew's idea drew go ahead and yes. say hello hello and we are joined by myself daniel and our other other host uh josh i'm the old-fashioned part okay <laughs> today's episode uh was was drew's idea and it is mm-hmm. called the return to rabia and it is yes. based off of the rabia scale and all of the planes they're in um drew give us a quick explanation of what the rabia scale is yes yeah, so um the rabia scale is kind of the um i i mean it is the namesake of the of the i, I don't even want to call it a format but like of this show idea of this episode topic with return to rabia what we're gonna do is each of us have um we have all picked a plane that uh we have all picked a a magic the gathering plane that we have an idea for us to go back to now the thing that kind of stops that from happening for like any given plane is what mark rosewater refers to and i think wizards of the coast internally refers to as the rabia scale the rabia scale similar to um the other common scales you may have heard of like the storm scale or the vincer scale or the banana scale are scales from one to 10 that are used in magic R and D to determine the likelihood of revisiting a thing. And I believe it is specifically a standard legal uh, set. So in the storm scale, that is the likelihood of a given mechanic to return in a standard legal set named after the storm mechanic, which is at a 10, meaning it is basically never going to happen. Um, the banana scale is a joke that Mark Rosewater does because he hates bananas, so it's how much he likes food on a scale. Vincer scale is for planeswalkers to return, uh, named after Vincer, who is dead. And then mm. the one that we're focusing on today is the Rabia scale, which refers to an entire plane. Um, it is named after Rabia, which is where the set Arabian Nights took place, which it notably is a 10 on the scale due to it not being a completely original Wizards of the Coast IP. And so they have said numerous times that they will absolutely never go back there for that reason. And I think that just gets into like, they don't have total ownership. I don't know what the legalese reason is, but that's kind of the idea. So each of us, then we took a plane, the essentially the higher on the rabia scale, the better. So the least likely, because mm-hmm. the idea is being mm-hmm. they, um, the line that uh, Mark Rosewater, cause if you ever go to the blog, Atog, his blog on Tumblr, he talks about this, you know, a lot actually, um, and his his typical line is that, you know what, never say never, but if it's very high on this scale, we would have to have like a really good push, a really good reason for us to be going back there. So what we've decided to do today is each of us have chosen a plane pretty high on the Rabia scale, and we've decided to try to come up with that good enough idea that could then feasibly be made into a set. Now... Uh, some of the uh, some of the restrictions that we gave ourselves because it'd be easy to just say like oh this is my fan idea for what rabia would be like or whatever is um, one it just it had to be pretty high on the rabia scale coming up with a new Ravnica set isn't funny or engaging mm-hmm. um, that I just shot myself in the foot for what my idea is going to end up being we're not going to talk about it 
Um, the, what, we have to. That's the point. Well, of the we show. have to later. Well, we'll <laughs> so get there like, later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Later. All right. Um, it has. You have to maintain your set or your plane's original, either mechanic. Uh, or rather original thematic or aesthetic identity. You can't just say like, oh, we're going to go back to the plane, but everything is completely different. Because at that point they would either, if if your idea is completely brand new, Wizards has shown that they will just create a brand new plane instead. Mm-hmm. And you cannot introduce any completely original mechanics. Now, I think some of ours are going to have unique names, but any given, el- like your mechanic that you present to it for your new idea has to have all of its elements have previously existed in magic somewhere before. Gotcha. Because Wizards employees cannot listen to any unsolicited card or mechanic ideas. So if we only are presenting their own ideas back to them, that should be fine. So oh, that yeah, is the yeah, idea yeah. for each of these. Um, so I think to go ahead and get started, Wait, are you suggesting? Would... Are you suggesting yes. that you built this so that, in theory, a Wizards of the mm-hmm. Coast worker could listen to this episode and take our mm-hmm. ideas and yeah. use them to build the set because we yeah. didn't actually add anything technically new? Yeah, because yeah, there's enough deniability that again, not a thing I mm-hmm. think they would do because uh, only oh, no. two thirds of this podcast are game designers. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, because it's 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 the kind of thing where were this uh were this concept to get bigger than the show, it's something that I kind of like the thought exercise of, and I wouldn't want to. You know, in future proofing the idea, I wouldn't want to preclude someone at Wizards from kind of having that kind of thought discussion because it's from what stealing I found our work and kind of from stealing our work. Um, because what I found in doing it is I one, I like the challenge of I can't come up with anything new, but I can arrange things in a new idea or in a new way. Right. Um, the inspiration there even was how was with how um in original Theros, they had the monstrosity or the monstrous mechanic where a creature became monstrous, got counters mm-hmm. and there were triggers off of that. And then how that same exact mechanic came back in, uh, Ravnica yeah. allegiance or guilds of Ravnica for the Simic with adapt. And that is the exact, the exact same mechanic, same. but it's yeah. got a different flavor to it. So it's, that is a thing that wizards also has shown historically that they will do that they are open to do, which I think also enhances the possibility of any of our given pitches. Like it makes it a bit more uh, palatable, a bit more realistic. I wonder what podcast they stole adapt from then. Oh, probably my brother, my brother and me. Um, (laughs) With that, because, because the show's been going so long and they can always uh, adapt to the ever-changing the times change. and still oh, stay that, relevant that i get it Drew. i get what you're saying so much i'm glad there's sense. somebody here that understands um, that explains now, that legendary mcelroy they printed and so now we've got the uh the explanation of the show out of the way uh we're going to kind of give you uh each of ours kind of guide you through the process um and then hopefully again if you like this just let us know we'll probably do it again i know i had some fun doing it mm-hmm. um and if you want to just have this thought in this discussion amongst you and your playgroup, also do that. I can't stop you. And I never would. We're going to start with Daniel. Daniel, Hello. let's get, I think just to get started here, um, just what is your plane that you're having us return to? Uh, we're going back to Mercadia, which is mm. a, um, mm. I think as it currently sits, it is a nine on the rabia scale. Yes. Uh, not one <laughs> that 
Watsy seems to be incredibly fond of uh, for <laughs> one reason or another. Yeah. Um, but that is the one that I have chosen. Um, and <laughs> and me, oh my. Um, Lucadia <laughs> is one of my favorite sets uh, in <laughs> general. Um, and <laughs> I think a lot of the reasons that it is is probably <laughs> a lot of the reasons why <laughs> Uh, Watsy has a hard time justifying going back, uh, and yeah, I so, so, and I'm gonna try so to a, do my best to to mm-hmm. to make these things work for people a little bit better. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Mercadia, you've said it's uh it's one of your favorite planes. What would you say is um like if you were to try to summarize Mercadia, like not necessarily you can do it in a card way, but just like in like the lore and everything. Just what is this plane? What's going on with? What is going on in Mercadia? Um, Mercadia, for some reason, um, is a standard legal multiplayer set that they just released into the world and thought mm-hmm. that that was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Like the the hunted wumpus, uh, mm-hmm. the just the cycle of hunted cards, the charmed griffin. That these creatures that when they enter the battlefield, they let your opponent do a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have the flailing cycle of, of creatures that, um, well, yeah, one of them is like a, like a two, two, and you can pay one to give it plus one, plus one, uh, or okay. pay one to give it minus one, minus one. And any uh, player okay. can activate either of those two abilities. <laughs> so you can, you can swing with a two, two. Mm-hmm. And if, it was a multiplayer game and three people at the table are just like, you know what? Let's make this thing hit that guy for a bunch. The other person mm-hmm. can pay to make it small, but the other three are making it huge. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that in a one V one standard <laughs> setting does not make sense to me. Um, That's very but there dumb. it is. Um, Charm yep. Griffin, uh, when it enters the battlefield, I think it's a three, three flyer uh, for four, uh, three and a white. Uh, your opponent gets to put an enchantment from their hand into play. Uh-huh. Any enchantment. <laughs> it don't matter. Just put out something good. Uh, notably, though, uh, Food Chain was yeah. also mm-hmm. in this ah. set. So if you played Charmed Griffin, you could have just had them put out a Food Chain uh, mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that could happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the Mongers. Oh, which are, uh, this is the only set with the mongers in it, and I'm going to go into them. Um, but they're mm-hmm. all four drops. It's four drop mongers. I'm going to read off Wishmonger. It is three and a white. Uh, pay two. Target creature gains protection from the color of its controller's choice until end of turn. Any player may play this ability. So if you play a Wishmonger and your opponent has like a 6-6 six, six giant guy and you can chump block it with a white creature... Mm-hmm. This person can just pay two and say, my 6-6 six, six has pro-white. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you for six. Uh-huh. And that's the thing that you made happen um, mm-hmm. on account of because you played the mongers. Um, mm-hmm. But I have been playing a multiplayer uh, essentially my entire career of Magic, first mm-hmm. and foremost. So when I looked at the set, I'm like, oh, all of this makes a lot of sense to me. These are all multiplayer cards. They're not. This was a 1v1 set. That's what this was. But, man, was it not. Now, there were a couple of things that 
uh, that were kind of cool. Like there's the spell shapers cycle, and I'll probably go into those in a little bit too. But oh, there's yeah, those are actually neat. Yeah, they're they're mm-hmm. really neat. But the the whole set, and I get it. Uh, it was kind of a wash because the only thing that didn't actively hurt you that you played was also really boring. And that's the rebels and mercenaries. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I mm-hmm. will say though, I think it, I believe it's rebels were like dominant as hell in like the actual, like standard. Oh yeah. Uh, no rebels and so. mercenaries are the thing about rebels and mercenaries is they do the same abilities. Like, Rebels are white creatures. Mercenaries, most of them also being horrors, are black creatures, and they just have the same mechanic for some reason, even hmm. though they're supposed to be against each other in the story. <laughs> so that just makes okay. no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the thing I'm going to go into as well, trying to mm-hmm. fix that up so that the two uh, should be complete opposite ends of the spectrum okay. are not identical. So you have two yeah. different mm-hmm. things being the same kind of boring but effective. Okay. Right. And that'll be a thing I try to, I try to clean up here. And now I I think you did touch on it, but I guess just to make sure it's explicit, it it seems like the reason um, it's, it is so high on the rabia scale is because of it having a lot of mechanics that just don't really play well in one V one. The thing is a lot of people, a lot of the complaints that I see, are mm-hmm. not necessarily about that because people just didn't play the mongers. You know, they okay. just didn't. It would <laughs> yeah. be like if it'd be like a mutate deck nowadays. People just don't play it. They just look at it and say, no, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna use those. <laughs> it's just that the things that were good were not interesting. Like rebels and mercenaries just letting you tutor out just other rebels and mercenaries just for mm-hmm. a mana cost was like the way that you won. It was incredibly strong. But that was kind of it because yeah. they, arguably, I think personally, they didn't quite go as ham on some of these other aspects as they should have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess then there uh, with that then, Josh, unless you have any other burning inquiries uh, about Daniel's set Ooh, selection there, I think we're going to move on to the next. It is. Um, that wasn't it. I, I say it wasn't on purpose, but it, that's mostly just whenever I started the sentence that I said, I did not mean to do that joke. But by the no, middle you, you of did it, a I'm little like, pause well, before it, though, like you. Uh, I know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm an improv boy. Again, I didn't start the sentence knowing that hilarious joke was going to be said, but we can go ahead. Move on. <laughs> uh, yes, let's move on. All right. So then, uh, so Daniel, then with your with your return to Mercadia, what? What is your idea? What is your return to Mercadia? What's okay. the big draw? What's My getting us back? My big draw is that I think um, one, the mercenaries in Mer- Mercadia—they're called like the Caterans or something like that—and they're all okay. mercenary horrors. And apparently, they work in the back streets of the of the main city. Like they're just kind of in the shadows doing mercenary things. And the rebels are these people who worship ramos and this Mm -hmm. prophecy of ramos who's a big giant dragon um Mm. that is dead or something broken into pieces i don't know but either way you have these rebels who don't necessarily live in the city because the city um as it says in the on the article i was reading uh the denizens of the city they're all greedy uh they're all lazy everyone that lives in there is a terrible horrible person (laughs) it's just (laughs) everywhere and then in the back alley it's a bunch of mercenaries. Okay. So 
that's something we can work with that. Um, mm-hmm. And also we have mongers, which is something else we can work with. And the rebels and mercenaries mm-hmm. are always kind of fighting and because, you know, the mercenaries are evil and bad and they want to kind of run the underground of the city and the rebels don't like that thing. Um, and so the first thing that I want to do is I want to make rebels and mercenaries different. <laughs> I okay. don't want them Good. to be the same yeah. at all. Uh, the way that I was kind of looking at rebels, uh, which are traditionally white, uh, mono white even, is, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, and this is just the case, I'm, and I'm not trying to call anything out, uh, in my brain, I kind of had a, a squadron hawk kind of thought of how the rebels oh. would end up being, okay. which okay. is a thing of, um, you know, there'd be certain rebels where on cast, instead of being just pay this flat man a search your deck and get it, it would be mm-hmm. on cast, you know, sort of a cascade, but you don't yeah. put it directly Ooh. into play. You reveal okay. until you hit a rebel that costs less and put it into your hand. Oh, like and okay. then so, for the cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just an act, like a little bit more of a recruiter than the other ones should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, maybe you have a rare one that sits on the battlefield. And then when you cast one, you just put it directly into play. Like a, it just mm-hmm. actually makes it cascade at that point. You know, mm-hmm. you cast like, you right. know, um, Arbok Denizen the third, and he's a legendary mm-hmm. rebel. And he says, Hey, whenever you cast a rebel, reveal cards from the top till you find a rebel to cast less, put it on the battlefield, whatever. But you don't cast it because then it would, make things tricky oh, right yes. yeah and that's another thing you wouldn't get cast triggers you just put them directly into play and that would power it down a little bit i think yeah um, yeah on for anything that would trigger strong. off of casting because you don't want white to be too good um yeah, absolutely and i was thinking not. of what is a cool way to make mercenaries feel different and i was inspired a little bit by um team fight tactics by league of legends Ooh. <laughs> okay okay because right. one of the unit types you can get in that game is a mercenary and like every other unit that you get just does a thing like you you spend your resources to buy characters or whatever but the mercenary character there's only one and the idea of him is that if you have him upgrades will show up in your shop that take the slots of other characters you would buy and then he just gets better the more you buy those and so i like the idea of mercenaries are people that you are supposed to pay money to in order to do a job and I like the idea of you need to pay more money into these mercenaries to get better effects. Now, Ooh, so I was thinking of upkeep. something, not a cumulative upkeep. It would be more <laughs> like level up, but I okay, don't yes. want it to be level up for two reasons. One, level up would not make sense in Mercadian. Mm-hmm. Number two, right. level up didn't make sense in Zendikar. Level up <laughs> is a video game term and a D&D yes. term, and that's not what this game is, and it's a stupid name for a mechanic anyway. Well, maybe so they'll thinking, put it in the actual D and D set coming up. Maybe, yeah, they probably <laughs> will, and it would make sense there. Right. But yeah. um, I was thinking because these are counters that exist and do it a little bit like spore counters on things, uh, mm. but these would be coin counters. Your mercenaries get coin counters and do better things depending on how many coin counters they have on them. And then okay. there'd be like you know instant mm-hmm. spells that are just like you know a creature gets minus one minus one. Put a coin counter on a mercenary you control. And just things about investing into your mercenaries to have them do horrible, disgusting things. And then you can even have a callback to the old mercenaries. Like you have one, a legendary or something, 
that's just like, you know, you pay X and tap it, where X is the number of coin counters on it, to go get a mercenary of converted mana cost X or less and put it on the battlefield. There's hmm. a lot of interesting things you can do, you know, destroy target creature hmm. with, you know, power, hmm. whatever, for the coin counters. Or this mm-hmm. mercenary says whenever you put a coin counter on a mercenary, put an additional coin counter on a mercenary. Like, just a way to represent paying off mercenaries to do the jobs. Yeah. Because I think that would be a very interesting take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I haven't seen anything like that except for, you know, like I said, like League of Legends. But it's sort of like the fungus thing. Like, things get plus one, plus one for fungus. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's kind of the thing I was actually yeah, like it's with the it's well it's especially with it being like counters, that's a lot because it, it avoids the pitfall of a lot of mechanics. Like it's it's very not parasitic. I don't know what their description is for good mechanics. But like <laughs> because because of them being coin counters, they would play well with proliferate. They would yeah. play well with a lot of like there there's a lot of planeswalker removal that's that's out now that allows mm-hmm. things to just remove counters. There's a lot of stuff in Ikoria oh, that yeah. removes counters. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so counters play, are a big part of magic now. It, it lets it it, it would play, it'd be really cool in a limited environment, but then there would be a lot more potential for it like in eternal formats mm-hmm. if they went with that because there's a lot of play you can do with that with like moving counters around and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah I, it would, and um, on, like it falls into the pitfalls of just like anything that requires a creature to stick around for a long time. Yeah, um, well, yeah, but, but that's the case with you know parties being announced right now from Zendikar mm-hmm. Rising, and people mm-hmm. are going to build it, but it probably isn't going to be the best. But yeah, it still I mean, is a good. I like the mechanic a lot. The issue yeah. is that other strategies are really strong. So in this theoretical right. world, maybe like. You can have a couple creatures, and that matters <laughs> in, in, this, in this world that I like to imagine. Um, right. Another thing I wanted to touch on is this cycle of the hunteds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. What the heck about the hunted cards, fellas? Let me let me tell you something <laughs> that happened in Throne of Eldraine. Right, you can pay two and two green to get a hasty, vigilant, death touching four four that can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can deal that much damage to a planeswalker they control. Eight damage for four that can't be blocked by stuff with vigilance, haste, and death touch. And I think there's yeah. a third ability mm-hmm. I'm not even remembering. And that's for four. How come the hunted cards are not obscenely broken? <laughs> Why? <laughs> For real, that is four with no downside. The last, mm-hmm. the closest thing that I think we've gotten to like an actual good hunted card is like Clackbridge Troll. It's like yeah. five, an eight, eight, trample haste, enters the battlefield, target opponent gets three, zero white goats. And yep. then um, an opponent can sack it, tap it. But that's five for an eight, eight, trample in haste that requires your opponent to sacrifice a thing. And get goats. And you get ongoing benefits from Clackbridge Troll. And I still you don't think that this is too weak for the downside compared <laughs> to what you can get for no reason. We, yeah. They mm-hmm. should give me like a three drop questing beast that gives them like a indestructible three three. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? What mm-hmm. the hell? We, you can push the power level of hunted cards so much because the power level of regular cards is so disgusting right now. Mm-hmm, Give me a two right. drop yeah. four four flyer Leviathan, whatever. And then just, <laughs> you know, give them something on the ground. And that card would still probably be bad. And I'm saying, like, the hunteds, 
those kinds of cards, we can buff those up. Those should be buffed up. They should be buffed up now. They're already terrible. Yet people just still like, make them. There was one in yeah. Ikoria that was also bad. Right. Yeah, the hundred. I mean, I would even say like because like I look at I look at Clackbridge Troll and in my like I personally I'm wrong about this just because Clackbridge Troll is a thirty cent card and Questing Beast is fifteen dollars. But mm-hmm. I look at Clackbridge Troll and I actually I value it a bit higher. Like if they were to kind of push them a bit more, I would want because Clackbridge Troll does the hunted thing of it's an incredible good. It's a very good card for its rate but it has the trade-off of giving your opponent anything at all. However, mm-hmm. baked into the crust on Clackbridge Troll is an ongoing benefit that you get to get from having given your opponent that thing. And so yeah. I would I would like that like if they were pushed because it's just seeing numbers get bigger doesn't always excite me, but seeing like more additional benefits for oh, your yeah, opponents yeah, yeah. getting these things I think is really cool and that mm-hmm. could like because like this one is just I run I run Clackbird Troll in a commander deck effectively just as card draw. It's just yes. it's a way for my opponents yeah. to just sack some creatures and me to draw some cards. And like I actively would run this card more. And I would love to see like how other ways they could design design other hunteds along that same kind of idea. Well what they yeah. should do is just take a busted idea they already have, reduce mm-hmm. its mana cost by one. And then <laughs> give and then run it. Give an opponent something that makes that effect a little less good. And there you go. Just just stop making the already very, very good cards very, very have good no downside. No downside. Because right. you're only yeah, making yeah. it more difficult to make good hunted cards. Yeah. Which, which I love. I love the hunted cycle. I love all of them. I think the dragon is actually very good. It puts mm-hmm. uh what? three two two knights under an opponent's control but you get like a six six flying haste which is yep really yep, good right. one of the better ones yeah. because that thing can't immediately block it uh, right that you give and so they have to work around it but they're still dealing six on the crag back and that one's good that one's really really good i like that one. yeah, yeah. um obviously the spare the the spell shapers are all really good they're essentially um a group of wizards who for the cost of paying something and discarding a card, you essentially get to do a powerful card for magic. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I think the best one or the one that people might know the most is a bog witch. It is two and a black for a one, one spell shaper and you pay a black and discard a card and tap it to add three black to your mana pool. You turn so any what, card to dark mm, ritual. You would turn any card mm-hmm. into dark ritual. Now, do I think that they would redo that card? I don't know. But I think that having like a, a four drop that you pay two blue discard a card to counter a spell, mm-hmm. like I feel like nowadays that's, really that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, you got to get four mana up, and then you have to keep discarding cards essentially yeah, every turn. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that'd be fine. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable effect. Uh, you have um, they already got a fog, a giant growth one on the these mm-hmm. old ones. So mm-hmm. you know the the and green it's... one would probably be plummet. <laughs> yes, that's but it just, it's the yeah. the potential for those is literally endless because as long as they continue to print new spells you could always make it a spell shaper and i like the, really the trade-off is real nice i like the idea that you have to you have to discard the card to essentially cast this fake mm-hmm. creature version and i love that um, yeah. another mm-hmm. thing that the set did really well were these kind of um these spells where you uh pitch a card essentially uh like misdirection 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. five, uh, three and two blue instant redirect a spell to something else, but you can remove a blue card in your hand from the game instead of paying its mana cost. So it's just okay. disc- oh, or right. exile a blue card, misdirection. You know, bring those back because mm-hmm. I think those are things that people would be really excited about. Um, especially yeah. at the top end of the of the competitive scene like because it's oh, a, yeah. anytime you can cheat a mana cost is huge just it's full totally, stop yeah. that's always huge people always mm-hmm. get hype about that and i think like in every one of these spells is pretty good this one's just a free discard spell this one is a a two damage wrath to everything um was this one good no <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But all of the other ones are the green one's actually the bad one this time and not the white one. So that's pretty cool. Um, but switching the, it up. the most integral part of this whole go back. Well, also, here's a nice little pitch. Did you know that Mercadian mm-hmm. Masks is the first set that actually allowed for foils or for basic lands to be in the foil slot? Basic oh, lands in the that foils. I did not. Okay. Know. Okay. So therefore... On our return to Mercadian Mass, guaranteed a foil land every pack, just as a celebration. <laughs> um, Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. Um, uh, but anyway, as I was going to get into, uh, the idea of the, you know, the story isn't very interesting. It's rebels. Uh, it's mercenaries. <laughs> they're fighting each other in this kind of horrible city full of hedonists and all this kind of thing. Um, and so that led me to believe that I think that the mongers would be an interesting thing to add as a story element because the mongers mm. literally play both sides. They do not care. Mongers do mm. both things. And I think that make a monger for everything. Why not? There's only <laughs> five. And like one of them is like deal a damage to every creature and every player or mm-hmm. every, and then other ones like deal a damage to all flying creatures and every player. And yeah, let's condense it a little bit. Get a little bit more specific. You know, I want one that's just like, oh man, pay something. Uh, That creature gets like minus one, minus zero until end of turn. Have a Mm -hmm. bunch of them. Bring the mongers in because their whole thing is that these are people that are playing both the rebels and they're playing the mercenaries for their own benefit. They do not care. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go and they're going to do that. Maybe even add some things that are just like whenever an opponent activates an ability of a permanent you control, they take a damage. Ooh. Start start mm-hmm. adding these hate pieces. Okay. They're just like mm-hmm. these mongers. If you want to get in on this, this is going to be bad, and and it's yeah. going to start hurting you. You're going to have to actually pay for these and start adding those kind of synergies. Maybe even have like a big legendary guy that's whenever you activate the ability of a monger, it triggers an additional time. Just something. Oh, okay. yeah. Get the mongers yeah. really going because I really like them. And like there's only five and they're not explained in the story. But it's very clearly that they're just playing both sides. And so yeah. I want that. Another thing very interesting, and this is one of my main selling points, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, these mongers, they play both sides. And, and that's the case. But we got to have a big Planeswalker villain. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. just true for every single set. So I was okay. thinking, what is the new interesting way to do a Planeswalker? Because Wizards has been doing some weird stuff. They just revealed uh, Kicker Jace, Landfall, Nyssa, mm-hmm. all these things. So one of the aspects of Mercadia as a plane is that there are uh, goblins. Goblins are like intelligent here for some reason. They're not okay. just oh, yeah. big They're dummies. They're like dudes. 
they're like smart. They actually like keep the city afloat. And so who would be better to come in than Doretti? Coming Ooh. in here and he sees what's going on and he says, oh, there's these mercenaries and there's these rebels. How can I use that to my advantage? Because I am also a very smart goblin. And so mm-hmm. he starts mm-hmm. getting in there uh, with the mongers and essentially just tearing apart this city by making these sides fight and constantly supplying each side with, um, <laughs> with uh, you know, the ways to defeat each other, but never quite. And so, so I was like thinking... Doretti the arms dealer. Yeah, Doretti arms dealer, something like that. And I was thinking, all right, it's a one, a red, white, black for Doretti. Okay. Whatever mm-hmm. the name is. It has a plus one. Target player draws a card and loses two life. It has another plus one. Uh, target player gains two life and creates a zero two artifact construct with defender token. Mm-hmm. And then it has a minus 10 or something that says whenever an opponent activates an ability, they take two damage. And this Ooh. is the caveat. Mm-hmm. The top text, the interesting text, each player may activate this Planeswalker's loyalty ability during each of their turns. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So, so it's a modern Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. A planes so people monger. can be like, okay, that alt will kill me, but I'm losing. I need blockers. I need to do that. And then so they plus one on themselves being like, I'm going to get a construct, gain a little bit of life. If someone's kind of ahead, they could be mm-hmm. like, well, an extra card would be good because I don't care about the life total because I'm doing well. The incentive mm-hmm. is right there and they're pretty decent incentives depending on your stage in the game. But if you do it too much, then eventually you're just going to get absolutely destroyed by that emblem yeah. that you are actively building it towards. Right. Yeah. Right. So you always have to kind of weigh, is Doretti worth dealing with? Mm-hmm. in that way is, is it worth playing because you mm-hmm. could also look at it because my one of my thoughts actually was how it's because the plus one is they draw a card and take and lose two life if if it's close if i'm trying to race i might just try to draw you into oblivion i might just try to plus one have you get a card and lose oh, two yeah. i'm trying to pressure your mm-hmm. life total a bit yeah there's a there's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things that i think you could do with a planeswalker that anybody could activate yeah and, and you building up and i really like the idea of the mongers i just i think that if we go back <laughs> like maybe not all of them have to have that monger ability to yeah, do right. that kind of thing but just they're mongers like they're war mongers <laughs> they, they want yeah, we people do. to we do things and, yeah we mm-hmm. yeah and so i think that that is an untouched thing um and I think that would be kind of the way to go about doing it. I don't know who the good guy would be. Probably uh, Jace. Sure. Uh, Why not? Jace. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's pirates yeah. on the plane. So uh. chances are Jace would probably be there as a pirate. And then there'd be a third planeswalker. Uh. Probably a Chandra. Yeah, <laughs> Something probably. like that. Just hanging out. Doing yeah, whatever. They'd just be hanging out. But that would be the main selling point. Oh, and I would want to have a legendary land. Um, uh and I don't know what the power level would be here or how you would mm-hmm. balance it, but I want to have Ramos's burial site, a legendary land. Oh. Uh-huh. It enters tapped. This is how I'm thinking. It enters tapped. And then whenever you tap it for mana, you add two mana 
of any one color because all of the Ramos artifacts tap for one Are... mana and then you can sack it for an additional mana. Okay. Yeah, but then whenever yeah. you tap it for mana, uh, opponent draws a card. Mm-hmm. It's just Ooh. two mana of any color whenever you tap it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to bounce okay. any other lands or sacrifice anything. And I thought that would be balance. But lands are where I uh, I don't shine on lands. But that would be mm-hmm. my approach to fixing Mercadia. Definitely give the two warring <laughs> people differentials from one another for starters. You make them feel Fair different at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm with that. I'm with that. I like all that. Some, some cool hunteds. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. it's possible. And I think smart goblins is cool. And I think that yeah. anybody saying that, <laughs> that smart goblins isn't cool is a, is a dumb goblin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a moral that is the position. Moral position on this show. If you're not into smart goblins, you just got to get out. I'm not even like against that or push that as a joke. Like that's I'm I'm all I'm all for smart goblins. That's interesting. It's new and all. I mean, Thank you, Drew. That's like Doretti's whole deal. He's a smart goblin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we need to normalize smart goblins. It's not special. Any of them can do it. Any goblin can be smart. Any goblin can be smart. And that's my bit. And uh, I think next up was Drew, right? No, it's Josh. Nope. Ah, it's Josh me. is next. It's my time Ah, Josh, why don't you tell this wonderful group of listeners and potential Wizards of the Coast exactly what uh, your plane is? Okay, Mr. Rosewater. Uh, The plane that I have selected is the plane of Segovia. Many people probably don't know what this plane is, and that's okay. It is an 8 on the Rabia scale. But yep. um, it has appeared in actual sets. It has two creature cards from there, and it's got mm-hmm. one Planes Chase plane. The first card that was ever <laughs> from there is Segovian Leviathan, which I believe first appeared in 4th edition. Segovian mm-hmm. Leviathan's yeah. deal is this is probably the largest creature that exists on this plane. It mm-hmm. is a blue, five drop, three three with island walk. This is the most <laughs> massive thing on the plane of Segovia. The deal with the plane of Segovia is everything yeah. is relative to other planes shrunk down to about one one hundredth oh of the my size. God, yes. Yep. <laughs> Any anything that travels there from another plane gets automatically shrunk down. Now we do have a recent card from there. In yes, we did. Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons gave us Segovian Angel, which is for mm-hmm. one white. You get a one-one flying vigilant angel. I that's, I'm that's in a love standard with angel already. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then the plane's chase plane was the Hippodrome. All creatures get minus five, minus O. They get I all love the Hippodrome. <laughs> that's uh-huh. Segovia. And then whenever you roll the chaos marker on the plane chase die, you destroy a target creature with power zero or less. So that's the plane. It is itty bitty. We've never had, we've mm-hmm. never been there in any set, but we got cards from there. And yep. um, the itty bittiness is basically the whole deal that currently exists with the set. Now, when I was first yeah. thinking about this, I just thought it was a goof. 
I, I saw it, I read the little bit there was to read about it, and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be so funny? But then I really actually started thinking about it, and I really like the idea, because there are already a few cards that exist in Magic where it is, this is not one person, this is a group of people. This is as mm-hmm. powerful as it is, this one creature, because this represents a number of people. So, while on in this set, you would definitely have some individuals, and mm-hmm. most individuals would probably be small, because they are an itty-bitty yeah. person. Although you uh-huh. probably still have some decently strong people who are strong because they are, like, super-duper wizards or whatever like that. But, for the most part, I think the larger creatures you would see in this set would be either big monster guys or armies armies i think inevitably are going to come back inevitably Mm -hmm. armies make so much sense in magic to represent here's a big air quotes creature but it's big because it represents a whole bunch of them a whole army of stuff okay yeah so i'm thinking that there's Yes. One of the things I do want to I do want to ask before we get too deep into it, uh, just to make sure we kind of match up with what Daniel's pitch was. Uh, yes. Why? I think you may have touched on it as well, but okay. why is going back to Segovia difficult in the first place? Why is it unlikely? Oh. In well, I think it is primarily unlikely because the theme of a set where everything is itty bitty, mm-hmm. and that being the whole jam, is really right. stupid. Oh. I already like, <laughs> know the cool storyline, though. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really think that's the main thing. Why we would gotcha. never go okay. there. It's stupid. It's a dumb concept. Mm-hmm. It's but, definitely, at the bare minimum, it's a, it's very, it's silly. Yeah, it is silly as, <laughs> silly as all shucks, and why would you? Okay. But I definitely right, yes, think right, so they then, should. All right, back into your pitch and stuff. All right, so we got armies and all that. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I would call this set... Big trouble in Little Segovia. Of course. Oh, <laughs> yes. Of course. God damn it. Of course. Um, now, story-wise, okay. No, let me get started. Let me get started. The first, the first thing that I think just makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I've already mentioned armies, but the first thing that makes sense is that you're gonna have a good number of tiny little dudes. Part of okay. the tiny little dudes dealio bring back skulk skulk just makes sense the little guys oh, are so small okay. that if you're too big you can't notice the tiny little baby boys mm-hmm. so if you're yeah if you were going the dealio of probably going wide with little boys they'd have skulk if someone else is doing big stuff they're not going to be able to stop these single dudes um you yeah. could have payoffs to make that better um, that weren't necessarily keyworded. You could have things along the lines of Cavalcade of Calamity, which is a current mm-hmm. standard thing. If a tiny little creature attacks, you get some kind of benefit, or they don't get bigger, but they do some extra damage. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, and this does get into what I think the story could be, um, I would bring back the mechanic of Monstrous. With the idea there being is... There's some kind of magic kerfuffle. Maybe it turns out that this plane is shrunky-dinked down by Nicol Bolas originally. And now that Nicol Bolas is locked away, it's lost its cursedness and things are starting to revert back to a regular size. 
And so I really, really like the idea of monstrous being put on itty bitty things and then you monstrous them to make them just kind of like a regular thing. <laughs> it so monstrous like, into like a four four. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you play, you know, uh one white for like a one two elephant. And yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe the elephant has skulk because it's itty bitty. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but maybe. And then maybe you monstrous it. I think skulk it. is in white. No, you're probably like a white blue elephant. Yeah, I guess it could be in Segovia, depending on what you. Yeah, yeah, fair. But in either case, you could have something that is just a reasonable tiny little boy, and it has skulk. And then once you monstrous it, it gets buffed to like a three three, but it loses skulk, or it still has skulk, but skulk just isn't as effective because now it's not an itty bitty boy anymore, because it has become (laughs) a regular sized thing. Yeah. So, hmm. so monstrous is actually like a pretty considerable trade-off then, which is yes. something to consider. Yeah, hmm, I, okay. I, w- I would think there'd be a hard thing in the set about you get really good payoff for keeping your little tiny itty-bitties itty-bitty, but it, you can go big, and then it's a little harder to deal with the itty-bitties. I think that would okay. be a thing kind of throughout. Now, uh, the second way to work up having big boys in a set of things that's little boys, as I said, is armies. And I've got, I think there's two ways you could do it. I don't know if both would be in one set, but I like both concepts. The first one is the obvious, just bring back a mass. And I do think that you could justify bringing back a mass, but not specifically having it put out zombie tokens. There are other keyworded things where it's got the keyword, but then it does list some specifics. Like um, on Prowl, it's always looking at giving you a different casting cost if you dealt damage with a rogue, but some are deal damage with just a rogue. Some it's looking for, did you deal with damage with a rogue or a goblin? Some's is it a rogue or a fairy? Things like that. So I think it would still be justified to have it be the amass keyword. And it doesn't necessarily put out a black zombie army. Yeah. So I think it puts out, you know, like one, one and (laughs) giants. Yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't necessarily have to put out, like, some specific creature type. Okay. Maybe it maybe it would be human. I guess it probably wouldn't make sense for it to just be army, no type. That would seem odd, but maybe? Possibly. army could I mean, be you, made up of different people. Yeah, and it can always be, like, its own... It, army could be its own type. They, they yeah. introduce new creature types pretty often. Yeah. Um, and specifically, I like a mass because then that's, of course, it give you a token if you don't have any armies. But that lets that lets you build up an army, mm-hmm. which makes sense. That's very flavorful. Make your army big. Mm-hmm. Recruit more guys, more tiny little itty bitty boys, so your army gets big. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the second way to do armies that I liked is the idea of bringing back a version of meld. Because Meld was incredibly underused, and it's just so satisfying to have the big boy art on the field. Yeah. Okay. My concept for how to do it, my concept for how to do it is it wouldn't be you have to have this one card and then this other specific card, just those two cards meld. My concept is you'd have nobles that meld with soldiers. So it would be like you've got some leader of an area 
and they get together their soldiers. They come together and you've got soldiers turning into an army led by their noble. Okay, so it's not like in the uh, the Eldritch Moonway where it represents the two things like horrifyingly fusing together. It right. is they are they are coordinating and organizing together and yes. then being represented by a single thing. Yes, they are forming an alliance and melding in that sense. Okay. Um, okay. And and I think the way it could be done, I think it could be that basically a noble would have the activated ability and then it can choose any soldier have it to where the backs can line up no matter which particular noble, which particular soldier it is. Okay, yeah. Lay them out. panorama style. Yeah, yeah. Lay them out like how the um, augment and host cards worked in uh, Unglued. um, Okay, side by side. Yeah, have them side by Uh, side. Yeah. And maybe... Yeah, yeah. And have it maybe be like the soldier you choose determines the uh, power toughness and the noble determines an ability that army has. Okay. So oh. there'd be some mis- mixing and matching there, but it's not, but not nearly as limited as Meld was, where it was just this one creature, this one thing, put them together. Yeah. Now, so there would be like a shared element. Like you could, you could probably in the art do it such that like all of the nobles were like their art had them like handing over like a scroll, and then each of the soldier arts had them like grabbing a scroll, at yeah, least for the like set. That. Because I think the idea you're getting at is like any uh any of these nobles that have this activated ability and then just like any creature with the soldier typing yeah yeah oh uh, yeah okay conceptually yeah and so like what do you got do you think that they would do a meld thing making armies like that and a mass do you could you see that happening in the same set well, or is that a, too a much is, parasitic arminess well the thing is a mass is just tokens i do feel like that works i feel like that can happen just about anywhere and with mm-hmm. the because the the biggest downside with meld is that they have to print double face cards for it to work yeah and and with the way that it's designed it is exclusively a one-to-one kind of thing um right. But with the opening of like, they can limit the power of the effect because you would just like the nobles would have the ability that let them do this. Mm -hmm. And then it's just any given soldier. And so in like the standard environment, they just go like, okay, well, let's not make a soldier with a crazy power toughness or whatever. Um, Yeah. And then for, you know, eternal formats, that's just kind of the game. But like the, the downside that I'm opting into like if I were to let's say if I were to take that and like play, you know, a given uh, Lord and his army or whatever in like modern, yeah. just my opponent would just wait until I finished melding them and then swords my whole thing. So like, yeah, and then they would two for one me. So I, I kind of totally. like the fact that it's I get like this because like usually you have to choose like, oh, this creature has a very good ability, but that's balanced by it having weak, you know, a weak stat line. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same idea with how mutate works like. Mutate yep. is a similar design space, at least like as a as like a play pattern. I would go like, oh, this creature doesn't have very good stats, but its ability is insane. So if I can just mutate a big boy onto it, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then I could do that same thing of like this noble isn't very powerful, but his ability is good. So if I can just get a good soldier boy out here, yeah, and then yeah. just hook those up, I'm good to go. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. I think- uh, yeah, I think that that could work. I think that the if you were going to have both in the same set, mm-hmm. I I think that the thing you amass 
because because the noble and the soldier it's supposed to also represent like a, a grouping mm-hmm, yeah, yeah like it does kind of also when they them. melded it would become an army yeah so i think that the issue and and, and you mm-hmm. can take it this way um is that like i don't know what the story would be but i was reading the flavor text on the segovian angel Right, uh, and it says uh, when Wurzel summoned Segovian angels to fight Thaumil's Gargantinkari gnats, the ensuing battle numbered among the multiverse's least destructive. Um, <laughs> yep, they summoned angels to fight gnats. Yep, yeah. So the armies could be like the ones that are amassed could be the more faceless kind of. You know, this is a bunch of bugs. That somebody's putting together. And then the ones that are more like your merfolk and so on and so forth, where you would have a leader would Mm -hmm. be like that. But to have both be in the same thing of just like, here's an amassed army of human soldiers. And then here is this other army of human soldiers. That's a completely different mechanic, but is still human soldiers. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. weird to me. Yeah, um, and I, I can see that. I'm not certain it would be both in one set. But I do like it, because in my brain, uh, about the meld thing, is like, say, like, the, the noble side is, uh, a, you know, just have different art for whichever one, if it's like a merfolk or something, and they're mm-hmm. always riding a horse, and it's done like a side view, and they're, mm-hmm. like, leading a charge, and that's ooh, their ooh, picture ooh, on ooh. the mailed side. Yeah. And then the army side is just the army behind him following that person into the fray. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. have it like that. So you could all, you can very easily mix them and just oh, yeah. be like, Oh, yeah. Hey, here's this merfolk on a seahorse being mm-hmm. followed by a, a bunch of goblins. Why not? Sure. And the thing is like, Why and not? I would kind of like the, if the, the noble soldier thing melding, if that turned the, if that ended, like, if at the end of that ability, they gained the creature type army in addition to their other types, because then yeah. it would let the cards that let you amass synergize with those actual cards if you had one in play. So you oh, can yeah. either amass idea. and do the token, or you can just kind of continually build this one big army with yeah, it, which that, is also really cool. Yeah, that's where I liked the idea of having both, because the amass making an army bigger... I, I feel like that's gotcha. the flavor win. That's the flavor yeah, win yeah, of yeah, the yeah. army keeps getting bigger. They keep bringing in more folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. yeah. I I I think it I think it could work. Again, I I do agree that it would be strange having these army tokens and then the melted armies. I mean, armies. if the idea though weird, is yeah. a big grand scale battle, that's not, mm-hmm. you know, that's not too crazy. Yeah. yeah. It kind yeah. it kind of just makes everybody play to it makes everybody play around a big aggro focus. Right. Yeah. Like and e- your deck either plays with it or doesn't, but every deck in- has to deal with that to some degree. Right. Yeah. And so the one last mechanic that I think would make sense here, what with having both armies getting bigger and having these creatures monstrously becoming regular sized, um, <laughs> is bring back uh formidable. I like formidable specifically. That is, if I remember correctly, it's, um, Usually the card has some basic effect, and then it does a little more if your oh, creatures... depending on if it's bigger? This one specifically, if your creatures have a total of eight power, at least. Oh, okay. uh, like uh, yeah. like Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. Um, let me see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... um. um 
Yeah, because Shaman of the Forgotten Way, did I misspell a word? In 2020, the year of our... Well, I'll Good find it eventually. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it, if you're... If all the... Oh, there we go. Each play... Uh, activate this ability only if creatures you control have a total power of eight or greater. Yeah, which I... That makes sense to me because, like, even just flavor-wise, formidable, either a biggened creature can be formidable or an army of bunches of little people can be formidable. Also, mm-hmm. theoretically, gotcha. I mean, someone could someone could run a go wide with little boys deck and still pull off formidable, even though none of their creatures are big. Yeah, it's just so, their army is then big. Yeah, I think it's a flavor win, and I think it could work in uh, in in any of the strategies of monstrous or big armies or go wide with little boys. Nice, nice. I okay, like all so that. that's like the three. Uh, who's who's the um. Who's the face planeswalker? What's their big thing? Oh gosh, I didn't. You gotta think sell those packs, that. man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you we gotta, gotta sell, sell those packs. packs. Um, you know what? Just why not go go into it being a goof ass concept? Uh, Tybalt's the big bad guy. Um, I like it. <laughs> goofing it up, making people big, making people small. I mean, you can- Oko's good for that. Ooh, Tybalt, Oko, oh, same Oko. set. Tybalt, Oko. Oh, that's disgusting. But it would, <laughs> um, it does work for the flavor. Um, for the main good guy, uh, probably Jace. <laughs> um, you know, probably be there. Um, there's, you know, we've got the Leviathan. We know there's water. He'd probably be there swashbuckling around. He'd um, be a pirate. <laughs> he'd be, be a pirate. probably a pirate. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um Man. hell yeah that sucks <laughs> yeah i'm sorry probably though you know we gotta sell packs no, I everybody like it. everybody I, loves yeah no, i like that i really huh. like a mass and i really like meld uh, mm-hmm. i like both of those mechanics so much but i oh, also oh. do understand why you know yeah yeah so anything that would mash those into the same one set would make me incredibly happy i would like it i still don't know if it'd be perfect but yeah um i did in trying to think about how do you make a bunch of little boys make any sense, I briefly considered banding, but only very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> the triumphant fucking return of banding. It mm, there's no yes. I don't think there's any salvaging it, so um no. <laughs> no. Well, I think I would like to go to Segovia. I mean Honestly, we went to Eldraine and that one kind of had a, like if someone said, hey, we're going to a place where everything's small. I'm like, okay, well, cool. We just did blatant ripoffs of fairy tales. So mm-hmm. sure, whatever. That, <laughs> that is not the most ridiculous thing to me. I would be excited. Um, so Segovia, that's good. Drew, you have the most known plane, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think mine is also the lowest of these on the Rabia scale. Um, it's also on the wiki for it. It also has the most entries. So it is also, Ooh. it is the one whose place on the Rabia scale is the most inquired about. Can I just okay. say one thing real quick? And that's the hmm. fact that Segovia is an eight on the scale and Mercadia is a nine. Are you that, serious? I, yeah, I'm <laughs> shocked by that. When you said Mercadia was a nine, People I think was they have shocked. more things to go off of with Segovia <laughs> tiny, than tiny they world. do with an actual... Uh, anyway, Drew, well, what I mean, is the I, set? 
<laughs> I think I think it's Segovia gets one point just because we haven't been there before. Okay, that's, that's like got to be what it is. Well, yeah. we'll see. And I, I think it's I think it's Mercadia is its deal is it's a city where everyone is just a bastard butt, and we have Ravnica where there's, there's a mix guys. of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'd like, if they were going to go to a city, heels. they'd go to Ravnica. I want to have an all heel set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so to, to finish it off, uh, the plane that I'm going with is the plane of Lorwyn slash Shadowmoor. Um, mm-hmm. Lorwyn and Shadowmoor are currently, or at least most recently, a seven on the Rabia scale, that although high, they have okay. they have mm. been a seven, a six, a seven, a six, a five, a seven, and a six before now. Mm. Um, just kind of moving all over the place. Um, but essentially, um, there there are a lot of what I think uh, notable things about Lorwyn and Shadowmoor. Um, one is that whenever the plane is Lorwyn, it is in perpetual daytime. Um, it is just kind of absolute. There's very little like war and like aggressive conflict. Although all of the races there do have pretty considerable rivalries with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, another notable thing is there are absolutely no humans on it. Um, there are several humanoid ah. races, but Lorwyn has right. no humans on Thank it at all. Good. Um, mm-hmm. And every and prior to now, this um, this has been done in kind of a storyline there. But like whenever we first went to this plane, one of the things with it is every three hundred years, the entire plane literally flips and becomes Shadowmore, during which it is perpetual nighttime. Um, some some (laughs) of the races that exist there morph and they change into a different version of themselves some races disappear entirely some races appear out of nowhere um and so there is and so that's represented a lot with a lot of the races um mechanically because we we have seen we have been to this plane in the sets of lorwyn and morning tide and then again in Shadowmoor and Eventide. And where we, what we saw there is the with the tribes and with the races that stayed, typically most of them color shifted. So um, just to give like some notable examples there, um, like the elves um, in Lorwyn were coded, they were green and black. Whenever we went to uh, Shadowmoor, they then shifted into being green white um Mm. i believe Mm -hmm. i believe giants were green red they shifted into red white um merfolk were blue white they shifted into blue black and so it's i believe yeah i believe a lot of them a lot of them typically kept um one color identically and they typically just kind of shifted which allied color uh but they all kind of shifted um whenever they swapped between versions of the plane. So whenever all of reality kind of changed for them a bit. I would um, like to ask a question. Yes. Real quick. Mm-hmm. How is this not the sickest plane? Like, and maybe there's <laughs> right? something I'm missing. Well, how is this a seven? This sounds amazing. <laughs> how are we not here all the time? How yeah, do we go yeah. anywhere else? How do, yeah, how do we not, 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 not why are we not going to Lorwyn and Shadowmoor? How are we going to other planes that are not <laughs> in Shadowmoor? Right, How is that even possible? It sounds cool. Like what? What was the? What was so, the fallback that that made people not into it? So the um, in going, kind of going over the Rabia article there. Um, the uh, <laughs> it, it one just um, from Wizards Data 
uh, from what they collected, they do report that it is the second lowest in popularity set that they have since they started tracking the data. Really? Notably, okay. I will point out because I think this is a common thread for a lot of players. It um, the only the only plane less popular than it in this in this polling data is Kamigawa, which uh, is also kind mm-hmm. of a fan favorite set. So I think there's something about our distance from these sets um, that that we kind of attracts them. Like when they came out, hmm. yeah, that may have something to do with it. Environment. Yeah, that may have something mm-hmm. to do with it there. Um, they And they identify that as it having a... Um, Lurwin and Shadowmoor have a very, very clear and kind of loud creative identity is what they kind of mention it. Mm-hmm. But they say that it just doesn't resonate with a lot of people is kind of what they say like it's so just interesting it's, to me which yeah, which weird. again I, I i think that's the thing where it's just kind of you know to a person's taste uh just because it's i think everything i know about this planet is dope as hell i didn't even talk mm-hmm. about the fact that tree folk are a very populous race on this planet right. and it's already sick as hell before i even bring them up um <laughs> <laughs> and then the the other thing is that it currently with the current plot lines Lorwyn and Shadowmore have no current ties to any major plot threads going on but I mean my mm-hmm. answer to that is you guys choose where people yeah, go it's, it's so it's like <laughs> oh man isn't right. it crazy yeah. like how Ravnica keeps having things but we didn't write that there's just all of these threads uh, what <laughs> they're just yeah, we're just what? following what are you what? talking about well, like yeah. what, what, what threads? threads what ones. threads sent us to Icoria? Icoria was out of nowhere. Who's to say? Uh, and then the other, like the other thing that they say is a negative for it is that the the plane is seen as kind of soft. Which, if you look at the art for Lorwyn and Morning Tide, I, I mean everything's yeah. kind of picturesque and nice. Yeah. I get that, yeah. but as a as a counter to that i think that mark rosewater even says in the article is as as magic in its current state is it has a much larger and broader audience so that a a set can have that as even like you can even cop to that being a downside but there's enough people who play the game that will like that about it that it could actually still do pretty well yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. because it's magic versus when lorwyn came out which i do think is like uh, let me see if i can get the year um uh, i don't have it in like the page in front of me but i think it's like mm-hmm. literally like 2004 or something like that compare that to 16 years later like we're right. in uh the just the game has a much more diverse player pool yes. now than it mm-hmm. did there. i came out in 2007 i wasn't that far off so yeah oh, so yeah. like 13 years later there it just there is a lot broader appeal to magic as an ip that it could still do well mm-hmm. so what what are well, and you might have to re- remind me exactly mm. what like the main mechanics were, but what are what are the new things that you want to bring to to help sh- I guess it's weird because like the questions have so far been like how are you going to get people's interest in it, but you've already told me cool things that were part of why <laughs> it sounds so sick. I guess like oh, yeah. what what mechanics are you right. going to introduce into an already kind of really cool place to make so, it even cooler than it already is so that that's kind of the thing so like the the uphill battles with Lorwyn, unfortunately i think that i think is very cool is that there are no humans in it is mm-hmm. a thing that whenever you're a giant company and you make dumb decisions you go like oh there's no <laughs> humans who are the players going to identify with and they just completely mm. forget that Lorwyn is full to the brim with changelings which count as humans <laughs> So you identify with a changeling if you need help. Um, But so like some (laughs) of the mechanics there are, I think like 
all of the mechanics are super cool. So uh, championing a creature is a mechanic from oh, the lower yeah. one set, which is yeah. a creature will have a type and it's just whenever you enter it, the creature itself is very powerful and it has the additional cost. You have to exile another creature with a matching type. So that lets you kind of, you can play around with that. Notably, one of the notable combos there is a combo that I run with Wonderwine Prophets, which is a merfolk mm. that has to champion a merfolk, but whenever it hits a player, you can sacrifice a merfolk and then take an extra turn. So that rewards you for playing into a lot of the tribal synergies that are just like all over the place in this set. Um, mm-hmm. But it's again, it's added the additional cost of to take full advantage of the card. You have to have a merfolk already around and yeah. then to take full advantage you have to then have yet another one that you can sacrifice to kind of continue going there. Um, Changeling was introduced here. Again, people are probably very familiar with it, but it's just creatures who have every creature type, especially in a tribal set Mm -hmm. that allows, and really in the draft environment that allows for a lot of flexibility. That's actually something I'm going to come back to in my proposal for the set, but that kind of flexibility it just really helps if you're building a tribal deck, especially in draft and you go like you're trying to just pull changelings are always good. They're, they're actually in all five colors. So they're just kind of a good way to get payoffs there just to make things kind of work. Um, clash is one of the original mechanics from Lorwyn where each player um, reveals the top card, the whichever player has the highest CMC gets additional benefit there. Um, death touch was invented here. That's an evergreen oh, mechanic. Now I didn't know um, that if, yeah, um, Evoke is a uh, mechanic where a creature will have a separate casting cost, but the downside being that it was sacrificed as soon as it hits the field, so essentially those mm. creatures become spells. Oh, and Evoke and then, is a mainstay right. in a lot of commander decks. A yes, it's a huge, mm-hmm. huge in a lot of commander decks. And then lastly, there is a Hideaway. Um, hideaway being uh, on the lands there, but essentially it is a land that comes in, it exiles a, a card underneath it, and when a condition is met, it kind of can uh, it can pay off, it can get played. Oh, nice. Um, there's already yeah. precedent for um, there's a a Modern Horizons. They had a creature with Hideaway. They had a creature. It's like a uh, it's got like a ninja looking kind of dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. and then there's also um, and there's also there is a conspire. Uh, persist retrace with there's a ton of mechanics those are kind of like the main ones mm-hmm. i just went over for um lorwin um shadow more the big thing is it had the untap symbol i'm not expecting that to come back i understand that's pretty oh, confusing yeah. at <laughs> that least that's what they say for new players yeah. yeah um but like persist is just undying with negative counters which i think is a i think if anything is a bit more flavorful than undying even though it's a trade-off i actually right. think that that makes more sense of a creature coming back from the dead being a bit weaker that's just yeah. me. Um, retrace is uh, arguably our retrace is primed to get completely busted because uh, retrace for people mechanic. who aren't familiar with it. Um, the retrace keyword on it, what it means is that you can cast the spell out of your graveyard for the additional cost of discarding a land. Notably, it does not exile itself upon resolution mm-hmm. with retrace. It is incredibly strong. I can attest yeah. to that personally. Yep. Um, wither is the fun half of infect and then conspire <laughs> right. lets you copy a spell by tapping creatures when you cast it. Um, so those are kind of the mechanics there. And then on top of that, there is just hella tribal synergies all over the place. There is so many tribes. There are tribes all over. Let me see if I can find all of the tribes. I think the tribal support so far, at least in like a major way, supports elementals, elves, fairies, giants, goblins, kithkin, merfolk, shapeshifters, and treefolk are kind of the main <laughs> tribes 
across the different sets. And uh, I kind of want to segue here. There's all, I mean, there's like cycles and stuff, but I don't want to get bogged down into what we've already seen there because I want to get us to see it again. And we're going to have to make some changes to get that to happen. So what kind of inspired um, in a way, what inspired this entire episode uh, from kind of my pitch perspective um, was actually Ikoria. And the reason I say that is that Ikoria, what it did was it showed us a different way that did they could mechanically play it? with three color uh, shards. Wedges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Shards. Whatever it is. They did a different version than the cons block did, even though they're the same colors, which right. open up the mindset in both the designers and in the player's mind that being quote unquote just high is not exactly a one to one thing. With that in mind, what I want to do with Lorwyn is to get it to happen more often is to start with it of the footing of an alternate Ravnica set. Now, that playset gets into a thing that I haven't mentioned yet about them. I, I touched on it a bit, but it's the... All of the tribes in Lorwyn and Shadowmore are coded to two-color pairs. Mm-hmm. And, notably, the plane shifts... And these same races and a lot of these same characters shift with it into different colors. Now, Ravnica mm-hmm. sets, which Ravnica is a one, so they will go there all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, it always comes out in pair sets, sometimes more than that, but to accommodate giving you all 10 color pairs. However, you're basically in each of those sets, you're getting the same plane at the same period of time. Whereas in a Lorwyn Shadow War version, you can actually see, you can get the kind of cons flavor where there's the two different timelines. You get to see characters go down different pathways. But one, you get it in two colors instead of three, mm-hmm. which Wizard shows that they mm-hmm. have a lot of experience designing fun and really good draft and limited environments in two color push sets. Mm-hmm. And you get that big, you get that really cool aspect that was there in cons where you get to see this character in one, basically in one world state and then see them again in another world state. Uh, one of the notable examples from Lorwyn and Shadowmoor that we already have is actually Ashling. Uh, Ashling the Pilgrim is a uh, she's an elemental and she's mono red in uh, in Lorwyn, and she's one of the um, I forget what they call them, but they are fire some uh, Flame, flamekin. Yeah. They, yeah. they are flamekin, and so they are just they are bursting with fire all the time. Ashling in the narrative there in the storyline basically removes all of the fire from all of the flamekin whenever they go to Shadowmoor. And so then they become cinders where they are constantly mm-hmm. burning away. They have to like always find ways to keep themselves lit. And if they oh. see someone else with fire, they try to kill them. And so that's a really, that's a really <laughs> cool conversation in like the, the art and the plot line of the cards that you can do. Cause there is a, the actions of one affect the other and things like that. Um, so what I actually did to really play with that is I actually, um, I did a very, very cool thing that guys who go to the gym do, and I made myself a table. Um, so what I did is I kind of balanced each of the guilds to a, I mean like a, like a Excel spreadsheet table. Um, I, I was picturing different... like, I was picturing you like building a table at first and I, I didn't, yeah. I, I don't go to the gym. So <laughs> you I don't, don't see know. what they do. Yeah. Um, and what I did is I, I'm, 
I basically to to really sell it because it's I feel like the the flavor identity is there and because all of the tribes are already guild colors. They're already two color pairs. We don't actually lose anything. And I feel like designing from this from this mindset would actually help. A lot of players just are sick of going to Ravnica all of the time. Mm-hmm. Even though it is yeah. an incredibly popular plane, people mm. really love going there. I think that's mm. just by I think that's the nature of it being people's shorthand for the two color plane set. I think yeah. that's why. You know what? Yeah, and, I would I would I would agree with and that. And what and mm-hmm. what and what wizards could do is they could they could scratch this itch to have okay we want to do another two color world but they could basically save themselves from burning out their player base on going to Ravnica every other year oh, yeah. um without again without Lorwyn having to lose anything so what i mm-hmm. wanted to do then is i wanted to try to take um i pulled actually as another kind of self-imposed thing i tried to pull as much from Ravnica block uh, mechanics and then incorporate them and make them flavorfully fit some of the tribes. So hmm. what I did, uh, the one I did first is uh, Azorius um, is actually two different tribes, depending on which version of the plane it's in. It can, if it's on Lorwyn, it can be the Merfolk or if it's on Shadowmoor, that can be Kithkin. Um, Kithkin go oh. from I think, green, white mm-hmm. on Lorwyn to, and they become uh, blue, white whenever right. it goes yeah. to Shadowmoor. Um, but the, I kind of did a, for, for the Lorwyn Merfolk, I kind of combined for uh, forecast and detain because I still wanted to keep this blue white color identity. Uh, but one of the key things with the Merfolk on uh, Lorwyn, let me see if I can actually find their tribes and such. Um, so they're, they're known as like the marrow there, but they are couriers. Um, they are merchants. They tell people stuff and Shadowmoor, they're pirates and they're rogues and such. But basically they travel through the waterways, delivering messages and telling people things that also then gives them access to a lot of power because they are, they have, they basically control all the roads that go everywhere. So the mechanic that I kind of fused those into was one that I called forewarn. So to, for people who may not know, uh, Forecast is an ability from, I think, the original Ravnica set, Dissension, where you would a creature would have, or a card would have Forecast as an ability, and it would have a mana cost associated with it. And basically, you paid the cost, revealed the card from your hand, and you got an effect um, into play. Um, and then you had the card stay in your hand. So basically, you revealed information, and you got like a small version, and usually the ability was related to the card you had in hand Mm -hmm, an example of it would be um, i think it's called pride of clouds yeah Uh, pride of clouds is a white blue one one flying elemental cat it gets plus one plus one for each other creature and play with flying it has forecast for four mana and reveal it and you make a bird so basically the idea is you would reveal it as much as your mana permitted or as you needed to and then whenever you played it it would get a benefit from what you did and then uh, detain is actually a pretty big uh, control mechanic detain is that doesn't do oh i was thinking the wrong thing um for people who may not be familiar with it a detention sphere is a good example whenever it enters the battlefield uh that's not that's not actually does it have the keyword detain dang it one moment <laughs> what is a good detain <clears throat> card daniel you had a detain oh, deck for a bit oh uh oh geez uh in the grand arbiter augustine the fourth 
I don't think uh, he, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. But Azorius Justicar does. Azorius Justicar yeah. enters the battlefield, detain up to two target creatures, and basically detain is until your next turn, those creatures cannot attack or block, and they can't activate their abilities. So they're basically on. They're grounded for a turn. So the way that I combine them is I called it forewarn, and so what it would do is and this is adjustable based on what the power level of this ended up being in practice but it would have the activated ability like forecast so any you know given merfolk card would have a forewarn ability on it and you revealed it and what that would do is it would exile uh, my thought was it would either exile itself until itself and either a target permanent or a spell on the stack until mm-hmm. either your next upkeep or until the beginning of just the next turn to represent the merfolk seeing something and then either scurrying it away to show it to somebody else or to go tell oh, somebody else the information. Like and so mm-hmm. it's not hard alarm. control. It doesn't, it doesn't, it stops them from playing whatever it is right now, but they do get the spell back and you get your thing back. So it's, you can, uh, if they have no better answers, even though they now know what you're going to do, so they can kind of play around that if they are trying to break the stalemate. It's and like it's not a, a delay hard of sorts. Exactly, like a, like it's kind of like delay. a delay there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that was my that was kind of my big idea for the merfolk there. Um, the other one I had that I really, or one of the other ones I had, um, is for the simic. I just to make things work. Um, I believe it was simic and is it do not currently have dedicated two color tribes on Lorwyn. However, Lorwyn does have at least two tribes that are five color. So you could very easily put elementals there. You could put shapeshifters there. Um, What I ended up doing in my just kind of pitch idea for it is I just kind of had shapeshifters and changelings be in all five, but have them be focused in Simic for the set. And I gave them... I actually didn't modify these. I kind of just gave them access to two. And the two mechanics I gave them is I gave them access to Clash and I gave them access to Explore. So Clash, I actually wanted to give them because Clash, in the context that I'm presenting it as like our alt Ravnica, plays Mm -hmm. off of a card that is in Ravnica, which is Momir Vig Simic Visionary. So Momir Vig um, has has two abilities that are whenever you cast a green uh, let me actually i guess get it right uh because it's not the specifics of it aren't going to be direly important or anything but i want to make sure i say it right so momir vig simic visionary is three a green and a blue for a two two legendary elf wizard and has two abilities whenever you play a green creature spell you may search your library for a creature card and reveal it um if you do shelf your library put it on top and whenever you cast a blue creature spell reveal the top card of your library if it's a creature card you can put it in your hand so Clash would basically let them have a kind of similar payoff to this other Simic card, where if they had ways to manipulate the top card of their library, they could more reliably win Clashes. So then you got to go, well, then how do they reliably manipulate the top card library? And to that, I give them Explore. So Explore is a mechanic originally from Ixalan. Um, and what it allows you to do, typically, I believe it is on um, Enters the Battlefield, Mm-hmm. effects yeah. but it's not always on it's on a variety of them it is primarily in green i think it's in green and then black and then blue sometimes um, but it is you reveal the top card of your library if it's a land you put it into your hand otherwise you put a counter on the creature and then you can either leave the card on top or put it into your graveyard so mm-hmm. my idea would be that the changelings in sort of the plot line um, for the return set would kind of just be going in all directions they are literally going out and exploring because they can if they can 
if they can make it work, they can assimilate with any tribe. Yeah. So they would be exploring yeah. and all that, but sometimes there's clashes. So if you're playing mm-hmm. the deck, if you're playing the line there, you can explore to make sure that you have a good spell on top so that you can know that you have a better chance of then winning a clash and kind of playing along those lines. So it's about like a top deck manipulation. And then yeah. you also have to have any other tribal benefit that you can kind of make work. Um, the other one that I that I kind of did the most, I guess, effort on was the Rakdos tribe. Um, so yeah, Rakdos I was about there. to ask, but what about yeah, Rakdos? Hell yeah. Yes. So on Lorwyn, um, the goblins are Rakdos. Um, I believe the goblins. Mm-hmm. So I was wrong earlier. Goblins are Rakdos on Lorwyn, and they are Gruul on Shadowmoor. Um, mm-hmm. But on uh, the other tribe that is Rakdos is the Cinders, which are formerly the ah. Flamekin. They become a red. They are red and black overall. Um, and so what I did for them, I kind of looked at some of the Rakdos mechanics there and they were the trickiest to kind of work. But what I did is I actually wanted to combine um, from the return to Ravnica set Unleash, which was a mechanic where you could have a creature enter the battlefield um, with a 1-1 counter on it. And I believe haste, but that then prevented it from ever blocking. Yes. And a mechanic from Lorwyn and Shadowmoor that all of these senders have, which is Wither, which they deal damage to creatures in the form of negative one, negative one counters. So what and so what I kind of called the combination was extinguish. And the idea would be that the um, the cinder creatures um, I think in an ideal world, like you're like your chase senders, which you like your rares and mythic senders, would be zero zeros as a base. And so they would have an additional cost, either be that you could pay some amount of life, you could sacrifice some permanents to give them more counters to represent that the cinders have kind of, they are, you know, powerful and they have a lot of fire in them, but it comes at a great cost and it's always fading away because it's in the form of counters. And then nice. they would be able to put more counters on the board to represent their kind of ongoing fire because they mm-hmm. are made of fire by their damage being dealt with wither. So if you were willing to kind of dump more fire in them by either sacrificing some things to make them a bit stronger, they could then burn brighter while they were on the board. But they would also, if their base was zero zero, they could also like you could have a rare sender that had an ETB effect, and then it effectively is like a, the perfect, it's like a ball lightning type creature where it burns out really brightly and really quickly, and then goes away because mm-hmm. it would come in via zero zero and then die. So you would just get its ETB, yeah. and so that would be kind of the idea with those is they would come at like because uh, it wouldn't just be. I think you can maybe make some of them just be like you pay X. They come in with X counters, but that's not the yeah. interesting space in the design. I'm much more a fan of like you take X damage and then it comes in with that many counters on it, or you sacrifice X lands. And that's like the creature had to burn the brush as it came into play. <laughs> and then it yeah. got really strong from that. Um, and so just to represent, cause it's like the cinders in the lore there are having to kind of uh they have to really work to stay on fire and so i like that being hmm. replicated and it just feels kind of rakdos to try to give everything up for like you could just win with this creature depending on how you played it so like that kind right. of trade-off is really worth it it's really cool to me yeah that is very rakdos yeah yeah uh the only i think the only one that I had really uh played out was actually it would kind of play into two um so the only uh the boros tribe that i have here was giants they are uh the giants of the boros tribe on lorwyn um, mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to um, on on Lorwyn and Shadowmoor, the giants and the Kithkin just kind of are symbiotic in a way. 
Kithkin are very tiny. The giants are very, obviously they're very big. And so the Kithkin <laughs> help the giants do a lot of things. And so I wanted to build, oh, nice. so similar to like how in the, in the recent uh, Ravnica draft environment, if you built out, um, if you built Naya Agro, the way that the Boros mechanics interacted with all the tokens played really well. And so I wanted to basically pull that into this as well. So Kithkin, I wanted to, I wanted to literally just give them populate and convoke. So just it's all the Kithkin come in, all the, all of the Kithkin work together to help build the thing. So they're tapping the catcher spells. Perfect. Perfect. No issues there. And then I wanted to give um, the Boros giants to give them battalion and mentor and then give it. So whenever a uh, battalion is a triggered ability that whenever this creature attacks, if there are at least two other attacking creatures, some effect happens and mentor is whenever this creature attacks, it can give a counter to a, to a smaller creature. And so the idea would be that the giants would be the natural way. Like they'd be the natural mm-hmm. things to be kind of leading the charge. And then if you have these Kithkin, which are already helping out the giants, the giants can then help out the Kithkin. And yeah, so I like, I like the yeah. idea of giants having a, a mentor, yeah Mm -hmm. like and it just kind of it kind of it kind of flavorfully fits where it's the thing that your opponent probably wants to kill is the big guy because he's just making it harder for you to deal with all the little guys which is also how that would just work in a in a little fight yeah yeah Mm -hmm. then that was kind of my those were my general ideas for how we're gonna have a reprint of the uh the one kithkin that just prevents damage to you equal to the number of uh clerics you control clerics what's that (laughs) Oh, uh, I mean, if, if it came out really soon, it would have to just because oh, yeah, for it to go with the uh, oh, yeah. with, uh, with the party, party. mechanic, it'd have to. Yeah. yeah, party. Nothing says party like damage prevention in huge quantities in big um, wholesome, wholesome party. <laughs> um. So my question. Oh, uh, but, oh well, yeah. yeah, Josh, you ask yours. Well, yeah. my question before Daniel's question, because his will be better. Um, Mm-mm. would you have this be a a double set to where you know first set is well, i guess in this case it would be first set is shadow more because that's what the plane currently is and then i guess it would become lorwin would you it, do it, it would that become way? lorwin um i i think so well the the trick is and i think the current state of the lore i believe um what happens is the great aurora chat like um it, yeah. it ushers in the change and currently i believe uh Marilyn of the Morn song basically stopped it from ever changing. I don't know if that's still accurate or given the mm-hmm. state of wizard story, I don't know if they care. Um <laughs> but yeah, like mm-hmm. I I think that's what I would do and it would just be that like entries into Lorwyn and Shadowmore would be effectively double sets. You would see them opposite one another. Yeah. But like they could do they could do actual they could do rhyming parallel stories they wouldn't always have to be continuations of one another and that's something that kind of i think opens them up and it makes them a bit it makes it more of a choice that wizards would do like with what they wanted to do with the story because in ravnica both things are either happening at the same time or one is happening immediately after the other that's kind of the nature of how they do those sets because they don't ever do one set that has all 10 kills in it Um, right yeah but you could do you could you essentially could do the type of storytelling that cons of tarkir did where we can still get attached to the characters and there are some characters that travel between different versions of the effectively the same place Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the storyline there because i will say that in the terms of like the lore like that cons block lore like the free mtg lore is actually regarded as some of the best that they've ever had and so i think just Mm -hmm. another place where they could tell stories that had that kind of mechanical element to them would be really cool 
but I yeah. also feel like it's like they they have also set precedent where Ashling fucked up some stuff in one timeline and then the place <laughs> changed and that had bad side effects when it shifted. And so they could right. basically they yeah. could have their cake and eat it too in a way. Where yeah, if the storyline was happening like close to the shift, it, when it was happening mm-hmm. close to morning tide or even tide, then they yeah. could actually have it play into either way. Yeah. I definitely yeah, I just um there's, there's probably no way that they would have one set that was all both stuff happening on Shadowmoor and stuff happening on Lorwyn. I would think that'd be confusing as hell. I well, because yeah, because if you yeah, that's literally like trying to do all ten guilds in one set, and at that yeah. point, I think you just don't have enough cards. Yeah. Well, you do it. It's a three. It's a three thing set. Um, and so the third set is um, this weird kind of evening state where oh, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. sides exist at the same time. So Ashling and Ashling both exist and have to confront each other because somebody <laughs> messed up something on their side because of a decision they made for whenever it would be Ooh. nighttime. But now we're yeah. stuck in the in-between. Drew, you have yeah. to sell packs. Who's the planeswalker? <laughs> What's the really thematic ability they have? <laughs> well, mm. so I, I kind of have a really fun cheat because Lorwyn, um, if people don't know, is the place where Lor- planeswalkers are first printed. So yes. the easy answer yeah. is I just print the Lorwyn 5 again. Um, but yeah, mm. but you got to change more, them up. Though. Yeah. No, a more interesting one is to give us an aw- like to give us a character like Narset was in Khan's block where they were really important. And then they are able to kind of travel between the different worlds. I hmm. think, an, I think, I think a mono red burn planeswalker version of Ashlink would be very cool. Um, you could either do them as mono red, mono black, both. You could do them as both as, and then a Rakdos version to show them in different uh, states of the world. Um, and hmm. then I don't know, Jace, like maybe have them shirtless going down like the rivers with the marrow. You know, and stuff I on, like, do a think oh there is water on Lorwyn. There's, there's water, water there so yeah. that would make sense and so it's also it's, it's also the first plane jace ever appeared in so really it's like a way for him to kind of oh come yeah home. they couldn't not include jace in this <laughs> yeah yeah he he has to come into this one because that's where he started yeah yeah god is going jace. to be in the that's sets like, that daniel like, and i made oh gee but then on the other like on the on lorowin he draws a card as a plus but then on shattermore he draws a card as a minus Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it's, it's it really shows the duality of Jace. I don't yeah, know why we um, mean the new Jace looks really cool. I'm really excited it does. About I like him. One. I do like that Jace. The new but Jace. just like I mean, and this is this is partially this is probably related, but it's just like we get too much Ravnica, we also do get a little too much Jace. But I will say I will say this though that I do think like the pirate iterations of Jace are the most interesting because they're the ones that mm-hmm. clone themselves for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he just started being an illusion guy. That's really dope. Yeah, whenever he, he whenever them. he decides to be a pirate, he there's more yeah. of them. <laughs> oh, because he I, likes that version of himself the most too. And one of, and one of the actual non joke Walker things is also you could have Nissa there. Um, the first plane that Nissa planeswalk to when her spark ignited actually was Lorwyn, so she yeah. actually has a tie to there now she has a lot going on she has a lot on her plate with all the stuff happening on zendikar right now but Mm -hmm. uh that would also be kind of a really nice um walker to have there just because it does have some relevance to nissa specifically just as being kind of the first place you went to right i like it i like it um i think that that just about wraps it up so for the listeners out there you let us know uh out of the three of these which one is the most uh feasible or plausible yeah. or which one do you think you would be the most interested in visiting if you have any um advice or ideas within those planes 
uh, that you think would work, make sure that you do them in such a way where they are based off of existing mechanics already so that if they are mm-hmm. good, they can be it's stolen. Not, they can, they can be, be stolen, stolen. Yeah. by wizards. Yes. Um, yes. If there's any planes that you would like to revisit that are probably not going to, uh, let us know. <laughs> Send us a message if you want to hear another episode like this. Just go ahead and uh, squawk us on down. I think, uh, Drew, what are our what are our handles? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so we are on, um, obviously, whatever platform that you're listening to us on now, as far as if you want to get more episodes, we do have more episodes um but we're also on uh we are on facebook just demonstrate the loop there on facebook um we are on twitter as demonstrate loop we are on instagram as demonstrate the loop and you can uh send us an email with anything at dtlmtgpod at gmail.com um so yeah like all the feedback you can give us is great um like you said if you have any ideas for if you like the if you liked our mechanics idea but wanted to see it on a different plane that'd be kind of cool um, let mm-hmm. us know that or just let us know if you want to see us if you want to just kind of give us a plane for us to try to do this with just put all that down in the comments of whatever platform you're listening to this on i don't care i'll check also, it. also just show ideas you just you, an episode you want to see some on that might be interesting we might yeah. do it what sure why not <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. the world is an oyster and i'm gonna listen to you <laughs> but, but now that that's all happened uh, we have demonstrated the loop we will now move to the instep and concede bye gg everyone